seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. I want to begin a new series today called Essentials and talk about essentials to Christianity, things that we need in our life. And when I'm, when I'm talking about essentials, I'm talking about those foundational things that we need in our life to really help us have a firm foundation. Jesus gave us an illustration that whenever we build our our lives upon him and upon his word, it's like we're building a house on a rock. And it becomes a firm foundation that when the storms of life come, that that house stands firm. But he also talked about people that build their their lives and their houses upon the sand. That when, when, when difficult things come into our life, challenges come into our life, the Bible says that house gets flattened. So it's important that we recognize and understand that we've got to build the foundation of our lives. For some people, and in fact many people today, Christianity is about fire insurance. It's about escaping hell and making heaven. Now, if we did nothing else, that would be awesome in and of itself, right? If we did nothing else, that would be in and awesome of itself, right? To escape hell, to be in heaven, be in the presence of God forever. However, God wants us to walk in an abundant life now. Well, Pastor Richie, is this a bless me club? Absolutely it is. It's a lot better than a curse me club, right? God's desire for you is for you to understand biblical principles that the gospel of Jesus Christ is actually the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not the have-tos. It's the get-tos. It's understanding those foundational things that really help us. In fact, builders will tell you that if you're going to build a house, you have to build it on a firm foundation. In fact, the wider your foundation goes and the deeper your foundation goes, the higher your building can go in your life. So the question really comes to, how much of the abundant life do you want to walk in in your life? It really is up to you. God has already done everything that he's going to do for you. We have to, in faith, appropriate what he's already done for us. Because we want to live by how we feel, not by faith in the word of God. So we've got to learn how to develop that. So Christianity is not just about getting in and going, okay, by grace I've been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Awesome. We want to walk after God and walk in all that God has for us. Now, if you have not yet decided to make that journey, I pray today that you'll decide to make that journey with me. Because it's where the abundant life is. It's where the supernatural life is. See, I talk about a lot of these things and you can look at people's lives and you can go, now why is this Christian so blessed and this one isn't? Most of the time, it's because they're not walking in the foundational principles of God. They get into knowing Jesus and then they live their life their way instead of God's way. And you can be saved going to heaven and live in hell on earth. You can God's going to let you do that. But you've got to learn how to walk in all that God has for you. And just so you know today, I am not talking about self-effort. I'm talking about you realizing that God's a good God. And because he's a good God, I want to walk in the path that the good God would lead me in. Is this making sense today? In fact, our our first verse, stay there in 1 Corinthians 11. But the verse I want to kind of lay a foundation for this series in is from 3 John Chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. 
Now, we can look at the Word of God and we can say, neat book, great historical book, awesome. Or we can look at the Word of God and say, active and alive words that are going to come into my life and going to change my life. If you begin to really believe this is the Word of God for you, you're going to begin to believe that God's desire for you is that you would prosper in all things. Just so you know, money's at the bottom of the totem pole of, of prosperity. Health, wholeness, wellness, getting along with your family, peace in your mind, emotional health. Those things far outweigh prosperity. In fact, if you had to choose between being blessed with a lot of money or being blessed with great health, which one would you choose? Health every time. Because if you had a million dollars in the back bank and you are flat on your back, it would be no fun to have a million dollars in the bank. Amen? So it's God's desire. We've got to understand with this premise that it's God's desire to bless you and I in all things. For us to be in health, even as our soul, our mind prospers. Our will is set towards the things of God instead of towards our own things. And our emotions to be healthy and whole. So, if you're going, Pastor Rich, I wish you could spend more time on that. Just go back and listen to probably about any other message that I preach and you're going to hear that. Because I love talking about the goodness of God. Man, I never, ever, ever get tired of talking about the goodness of God. Because it's so easy for us to know about the goodness of God, a problem comes up and we forget about the goodness of God. So today I want to look at one of the essentials to the Christian faith, and it's the issue of communion. There's a lot of really misunderstanding uh, about communion, but I want to talk today about its importance in empowering us to walk in the health that God actually desires us to walk in. Health and healing is the area that stretches our faith like no other area. In fact, when I start talking about healing, it's the thing that challenges our faith more than any other area. In fact, it is easier for us to believe in faith, that by faith we are saved, the faith of getting right with God, than it is the faith of actually being healed in our lives. It's easier for us to believe that we're saved by faith, but it's harder for us to receive healing by faith. Is that making sense today? Do you, do you find that in your life? It doesn't mean that people don't struggle having faith and being saved. Because there are a lot of you that doubt your salvation a lot. You have to, by faith, believe that you are saved. But you also have to, by faith, believe that God wants to do good things in your life. That he wants to heal you. Sometimes it's because of the misunderstanding that we have about healing. That we've been taught wrong. There, there are Christian circles where they teach that it's God's will for you to be sick. Just so you know, that's not true. You don't ever see Jesus walking around. You didn't see him walking around in the New Testament. And he saw a man that was, was physically fit and in good health going, you know what, I bet that guy's a little arrogant and proud. I'm going to put sickness on him just so he'll learn a lesson. You don't find it. The little boy that brought the two loaves, and, and the, or the five loaves and the two fishes. You know, Jesus didn't say, you know, hey, I'm going to take those things from you. You don't really understand this now, but one day you're going to understand that this was for your own good. He went home with 12 baskets full because of what he had done. You never see Jesus doing that. So Jesus does not put sickness on us. First thing we need to know. Second thing is that there are Christians who believe that it is God's will for them to be sick. He doesn't, he doesn't put it on us, but it's his will for us to be sick. Well, if they believe that's true, then why do they go to the doctor? Why do they take medicine? Aren't they concerned about getting out of the will of God? 
I mean, honestly, you think about it like that and you think, man, that's crazy. Do you realize it is inherent within us to understand that God wants you to be well? You naturally get that God wants you to be healthy and whole. Now, I want to say this related to all of what I'm talking about today. I don't understand why some things happen and why some things don't. When we get to heaven, we can sit down and have a conversation with God. But here's what I do know for followers of Jesus Christ. It's what the Apostle Paul said. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And as wonderful as this life is for me, I'm telling you, it holds no candle whatsoever to heaven. A place where I'm going to have every motorcycle that I've ever wanted. I'm going to have a variety of them. I'm going to have dirt bikes. I'm going to have street bikes. I'm going to have a hot tub that's huge. You guys can come over to my house and we'll have a great time all the time. It's going to be awesome. So we have to understand that there are some things that we don't understand, but it should not allow us to operate in doubt, fear, and unbelief about the promises of God. So again, it's a, they think it's God's will for them to be saved. And I think the, the one that's the most common is it's very easy for us to believe our situation or our past more than the promises of God. It's very easy for us to look at what I'm, I'm dealing with. I've been dealing with this arthritic condition. I've been dealing with this, these heart issues, whatever it would be, for such a long time, more than it is easy for us to believe the promises of God. So we've got to understand that it's God's desire to bless us. When the enemy comes and whispers in your ear, and I, I promise you it's nonstop because it happens with me too, you have to say, no, it's God's desire to bless us. I believe that I serve a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of his children. You speak it over your life, and before you know it, what, that will become so real on the inside, it'll silence the lies and accusations of the enemy. So let's get right into 1 Corinthians 11 there if you have it. In this passage, Paul is correcting some behavior or some misunderstanding with, about the Lord's Supper or communion. Now, just so you know, those are the same thing, the Lord's Supper or communion. And he says this in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he, in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, one of the things that I want us to recognize is that when we're taking communion, we should never do it out of ritual. We should never just do it out of routine. We should take communion in remembrance of what Christ has done. Now, just so you understand this, I'm not talking about just remembering that the fact that he did it, what Jesus did, that he died on the cross, and we look at it from a historical point of view. That's not what God's saying. What God is saying is remember what I did because what I did 2,000 years ago still applies to your life today. In fact, what I did then works in your life now. Do this in remembrance of what it is that he's actually done. That's the deeper meaning that we really need to understand. That communion is about releasing our faith. When I take the, the, the bread, it's about releasing my faith in the broken body of Jesus as the payment for my health. When I take the cup, it's about me being reminded about the fact that by his stripes I'm healed, but also the fact that I am actually forgiven because of what he has done. 
So it's about releasing our faith. So what I want to do today is, and I was telling my wife last night, I was saying, man, there's so much to talk about in communion. I don't know if I can do this in the three-hour message that I have prepared today. And she said, well, just hit us on the real quick things and get through it. My wife's kind of always my timer, by the way. I don't know if y'all know that. She's always kind of like this, keeping me going. So when I go long, I'm just not looking over here. I just, oh, I talk to this side of the audience a lot more. All right. So, so I can't, can't dig into all of it today, okay? But what I want to do is I want to tackle one of the biggest mu- misunderstandings that we have about the issue of communion. So hopefully we'll begin to understand why we aren't seeing more healings today. Why healing is not, healing should be a natural part of everything that is taking place in the body of Jesus Christ. And the reason is, is it's found in the next verse, verse 27, where Paul continues to speak and he says this, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, when I was growing up, that's the verse that I was always taught on. They would kind of real quickly run through the communion thing, and then they would come to this and they would emphasize this. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They would, they would make you really fearful, about communion. They would, they would make you anxious and, oh, what's happening? You know, is, am I going to be struck dead? You know, and you're kind of like, oh, should I take it? And, and honestly, it was attached to a lot of condemnation. And, but you know what the Word of God says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is never condemning us. Let me give you another shot at that one. God is never condemning us. There is therefore now no condemnation. So the moment you feel condemned about anything, you need to recognize that's not from God. Now God will will change our hearts and move us, but it doesn't feel heavy. It doesn't feel beat down like I can't do it. It's like, oh, I need to fix some things to walk in the life God has for me. So how is it possible for us not to be condemned? Because Jesus was condemned. And because Jesus was condemned, we don't have to be. Because the Father said about Jesus, it's been paid in full today. So we don't have to be condemned. In fact, in in verse 32 of this chapter, it says this, that we are being disciplined. Now, we think of discipline, if you're like me, is getting a spanking with a belt growing up, right? Right, you put on extra underwear so it wouldn't hurt as bad when you got it. Y'all remember those? You know, every time my mom found those later on, she'd give me another one, just saying, okay, you think that's funny? We'll get another one. So we're being disciplined, all right? That word literally means trained up, okay? So it's not a a beating that we're taking. We're literally being trained up so that we will not be condemned with the world. That's why we come to church, because we're being disciplined. We're being trained up so that we don't have to live with the things the world has to live with. Because the context of this chapter is the holy communion, the bread and the wine. So... We, we have to make sure that we don't misunderstand this phrase, being condemned with the world, because we think of that phrase as going to hell. Right? Being condemned with the world, we're going to hell. But the context here is not if you partake in another worthy manner, you'll go to hell. It's talking about the health in your body. And what we're being trained to do and being disciplined to do is understand this so that we can enjoy all that Christ died to provide for us. It's making sense. We're being disciplined. I use this example a lot, but, you know, when, when we violate the word of God, hell comes into our lives sometimes. When the Bible says of me as the, the husband, the head of the household, that my responsibility is to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Very simple for me to understand. It means that I give myself for her. It means I give up my right to be right. And I try to do that most of the time. 
I work really hard at that. But when I don't, and I'm selfish, and I'm self-centered, there starts problems coming up. Did God step in and go, well, if you're going to be that way, Richie, I'm just going to cause problems? No. We understand that when we violate the word of God, God doesn't punish us. We're breaking ourselves against the word of God. So it's important that we understand the context here because it's not about going to hell. It's about walking in all that God has for us. So what is the condemnation of the world this passage is talking about? It's found in the verse 30, which says, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. What, what they mean by sleep is not taking a nap. They're talking about dying prematurely. See, the world is under condemnation ever since Adam sinned. But Jesus came to remove it from those of us who are saying, I want to believe in what Christ has already done. Because again, if you don't believe in what Christ has done, those promises don't work in our life. He'll never force you to be blessed. You're going to walk in a level of blessing simply because he's a good God. But if you want to build a strong foundation because you want to walk in a huge house of blessing, then what you have to understand is you've got to build a firm foundation. You've got to understand. Listen, Paul was surprised. He was surprised that so many were weak and sick and dying prematurely. And he tells us why in verse 29. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And then again, that verse we just looked at explains the result. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Now, it's very important that we understand what Paul means by eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. Because again, the way that I was taught is that if I had any sin in my life, I couldn't partake of communion because I might possibly drink in an unworthy manner. So again, it was like, oh man, I hope I've gotten all my sins covered for the week. Sweet Jesus be with me, right? This is not what it's saying. Jesus died for unworthy people. Just so you know, none of us were ever worthy when Jesus died for us. And his death is the only thing that's ever made us worthy. Because we freely received what he did on the cross, payment for our sins, we became worthy because of what Jesus has done. So none of us were ever worthy. Listen, it's not talking about the person It's saying that he who drinks, he or she who drinks in an unworthy manner. Notice it's the manner, not the man or the woman. It's the action, not the actor. Are y'all seeing this? Because of the manner that you're taking communion, you're not, again, taking advantage of all the things that communion is supposed to supply for you. Because of that, you're weak and you're sick and you're dying prematurely. So it's not about if you sin that week in communion that all of a sudden you're now unworthy to partake of communion. See, if you decide to take communion that week, if you do that and you've sinned, you're now going to become weak and sick and you'll die early. Listen, again, that's part of the curse. That's the condemnation of the world. Teaching that you're unworthy because you sinned is a wrong teaching. Can y'all, man, I know some of you are going to get set free like me. When I began to understand this, it's like, thank you, Jesus. It's an erroneous understanding, and it causes people, again, to be fearful of taking communion. I mean, listen, my mama never raised no fool. If there's a possibility that because I took communion and I had some unconfessed sin that I couldn't remember, in fact, I'd normally pray, oh, God, I, I'm sorry that I said that to my sister. I'm sorry that I hit my brother. God, I'm sorry that I stayed out late. God, I'm sorry that I drank too much. God, I'm sorry that I did all these things. Uh, God, if I have any other unconfessed or unknown sins, will you take care of them too, right? 
That's what we did, right? Listen, if, if you're going to think that's what it's going to do, you're always going to be fearful of communion. And you miss out on all that God has for you. So it's the manner that's unworthy, not the man. So what is the unworthy manner? Is found in verse 29, not discerning the Lord's body. We'll come back to that in just a second, but taking communion in an unworthy manner is to not discern the Lord's body. That's why the next verse goes on to say that for this reason, notice that it's reason singular. It's not for these reasons. You lied, you cheated, you had bad thoughts in your mind. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. So there's only one reason why people are weak, why people are sick, and why people are dying prematurely. It's not discerning the Lord's body. That's the unworthy manner. Are you all seeing that today? Okay. Notice it's about the bread or the body of Jesus. It's not about the wine that represents the blood of Jesus. We, we put those two things together, but they're actually two separate things. When you take the bread, or sometimes when we take the cracker, they are, again, not discerning what the bread has been given to them for. They're not remembering, this is the broken body of Jesus that is for my healing. So again, it's about partaking in an unworthy manner of not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, not discerning the Lord's body, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. In other words, it isn't God's plan for the church to be weak, to be sick, or to die prematurely. Let me say that again. It's not God's plan for the church ever to be weak, to be sick, or to die prematurely. So what does not discerning the Lord's body mean? Well, the Greek word here for discerning is the Greek word diakrino. And it means to separate or to make a distinction. Okay, that, that word discerning means to separate or make a distinction. So if they are not discerning the Lord's body, they are not separating or making a distinction with the Lord's body. Is this making sense? And I think for most people, there are two ways that they are not separating or making a distinction with the Lord's body. The first one is, is that when most people take communion, they take both the bread and the wine as forgiveness of sin. When, they take, when they're taking communion, they're, they're thanking God that, for the forgiveness of sin. But they're not separating the two. They're not separating why the body was broken and why the blood was shed. They're not understanding that it's two different things that God wants to do. Again, they're not making a distinction from the bread and the wine. They are not discerning the Lord's body. So when Jesus was saying this, or Paul was writing this, it's, it's not talking about the blood, it's talking about the body. See, most people recognize the cup represents the new covenant. It represents the forgiveness of our sins, but they don't discern the bread, what it's actually for. So Jesus wants to understand what communion is fully about. He wants us to understand, again, this essential, foundational principle. This isn't something that we just kind of just do. God's asking you and I to do this on a consistent basis. Why? To stir up our faith in forgiveness of sin. To stir up our faith in the fact that God wants to heal us. So he wants us to understand this. Again, the blood represents the forgiveness of sin. And when we partake in communion, we are releasing our faith, reminding ourselves so every time I'm taking communion, I'm taking the cup, I'm saying, God, thank you, Father, that, that by, by the blood that you shed for me, I am forgiven today. 
I'm forgiven. I know I just thought that, said that, did that, but God, I'm forgiven today. We're reminding ourselves. And when we partake of the, the, the bread, we're discerning the Lord's body so that we understand why his body was broken for us. Because Jesus' body was broken for us. Y'all saw the, the video that we did last week. Y'all have seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ. The beating that Jesus took. He took that beating for our healing. He paid a huge price for our healing today. So we got to understand what it is that he's trying to do. It's that we might be healed and that we might be healthy and that we might be whole. Well, Pastor Richie, why does all this stuff happen? I don't know. But what I do know is that this is what the Word of God says. That he's provided healing for us. He wants us to discern the Lord's body so that we're strong, so that we're healthy, and so that we live a long life. Amen. I was talking with the Connect Group coaches. We had a meeting here in the back, and one of the Connect Group coaches was talking about his, his mom is 91 years old, went and got blood work. He has no issues whatsoever. She's healthy. She's whole. She's not, she didn't have any high blood pressure medicine, anything. Well, that's just someone special. That's what followers of Jesus Christ are supposed to be like. Caleb is 85 years old, and he said, I'm as strong today as I was when I was 40. So give me the mountain that God's promised me. We want to walk in all that God has for us. Please don't let the devil lull you to sleep. The church is about coming and checking off an obligation. And okay, I got that in, so my life will be okay now. Listen, God wants us to walk in the fullness of what he has for us. To do the extraordinary, to do the supernatural things in our life. So the first reason is we're not separating the bread from the wine. We're, we're not understanding that those are two distinct things that God is wanting to do. The second reason is we're not separating the holy from the common. In fact, if you're familiar with this chapter in 1 Corinthians 11, you know that Paul is bringing some correction to the church at, at, in Corinth about this issue of communion. There are people who are showing up early, they're not waiting on others, and they're stuffing themselves. It used to be more of a meal. I'm sorry, we only give you a little cracker right now and just a little shot of juice, but it used to be a meal. And so people would come early and they were stuffing themselves and they were getting drunk on the wine. The church. Not, not at the bars. The church with communion. If you don't believe in a God of grace, that alone should help you understand. God is a God of grace today. And he's, so he's correcting this issue. And what was happening is they are not separating the holy from the common. They're taking the Lord's Supper ritualistically. They're going through it and they're just seeing it as a meal rather than understanding this is about a representation of the body of Jesus Christ, his healing for us. It's a representation of the blood of Jesus Christ which provided forgiveness for our sins. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. We can come on Easter Sunday or on the fourth Sunday when we do communion and we can just kind of go through the motions. Okay, thanks, that's awesome. A little snack before I go eat. That's the common or we can just start recognizing, God, thank you for your body that was broken for me. Thank you for the healing that you provided for me, God, today. Thank you, Father, that you want to do something supernatural. And I don't care what my mind is telling me right now. I don't care what the doctor is telling me. I don't care what my family is telling me. I don't care what my circumstances are telling me. God, I'm going to put my confidence in your word so that I can start walking in the supernatural things that you have for me. This is available, by the way, to whosoever wants to do this. You don't have to be a member of the church. You don't have to have been a Christian for a long time. It's simply about saying, God, I believe. I receive what it is you've done. So it's not a meal for us today. 
And again, if we're not careful, we go through the, the, the ritual of it. We, allow, we don't allow the significance of what we're doing to really begin to build faith in us. Well, some might ask, well, how can one piece of bread or a cracker make that much of a difference in my life? Let, let me remind you that it was the bite of one apple that made a huge difference in the world that which we live in. Adam and Eve ate the tree from the tree they weren't supposed to. And because of that, sin and sickness, disease, hatred, war, all these horrible things were ushered in because of one bite of the apple. Now, uh, don't get, get on to me theologically because the Bible doesn't actually say it's an apple. But it's the thing we think of the most. It's a fruit. One bite of the fruit made a difference. Can you imagine what one bite of the cracker can do in your life in this moment? I told the, the staff before the service today that we've got to stop coming and just going through the motions of church. We've got to start expecting God moments in our life. We've got to start expecting God to do something supernatural because he's waiting all the time to do the supernatural. He's not, he's not held back because of himself. He's held back because of our lack of faith, our lack of understanding, our lack of the foundational understanding of what he wants to build our life upon. You realize that it wasn't sin that stopped Jesus from doing things. It was their unbelief. And unbelief could take many forms. It shows up a lot of times in fear, anxiousness. I've got to simply believe. This is a huge deal for us to understand what Christ has done. So when we take communion, we need to make sure that we're distinguishing between the cup that was the forgiveness of sin and the bread that is for our healing and wholeness. We got to make sure that we're distinguishing between the, the common of just going through the motions and doing something out of legalism or ritualistically or learning to step into a moment and saying, God, I thank you that this represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. I thank you that this represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ for my life today. If we're rightly discerning the body, then I don't think we would be in error in understanding 1 Corinthians 11.30 from a reciprocal point of view. For this reason, we are discerning the Lord's body. Many are strong, healthy, and living a long and fulfilling life. We just have to realize that we're following the ministry of Jesus. You know, again, when you have challenges of, well, people are supposed to be sick, watch the Word of God, read the New Testament, read what Jesus said. He went about healing all who were sick. In fact, in Matthew 8, let me close with this verse. It says that when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed and cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed all who were sick. Not some of them. He healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities, or our pain, and he bore our sicknesses and our diseases. That's what Jesus did for us. It's already been paid for. Jesus is just waiting for you to say, I'll take me some healing. I'll take me some healing in my body. I'll take me some healing in my emotions. I'll take me some healing in my life. He's just waiting for us to take hold of it. Listen, I have to admit to you today that this area of healing is the area in the kingdom of God that challenges my faith like no other. I started off talking about that. I've had family members that have died. I've had a, a mom and two sisters die of cancer. I've had a dad that died of heart disease. And, and I, I, I've had sicknesses in my body and pains in my body that I'm still believing God for. So there, there's, not an, there's not an area that I'm challenged more. But listen, I believe that this is a moment that God is speaking to me and he's speaking to us as a church. 
that he wants us to step into some divine moments. He wants us to step into some supernatural things, saying it's time to step out in faith and see God do the miraculous. I'm telling you, it's time to get out of the boat. You know what, it's easy for us to look at Peter and when he was in the boat with the other disciples and the storm was raging and Jesus came walking on the water and he said, hey, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. He's the only disciple that got out of the boat and began to walk on water. I know that he looked down at the circumstances, he looked down at the situation. Do you realize when he sunk, Jesus didn't go, ah, I guess you didn't have the faith. You're going to the bottom of the sea. He didn't do that, did he? He reached out and he grabbed him. Listen, it's so comfortable in the boat. It'd be easy to stay there. This is my comfort spot. I don't know that I really want to believe that. I don't know if I really want to step out into that. If that happens, we're not going to walk in the supernatural like God wants us to walk at in our life. Because one of the things the enemy's been whispering in my ear all the time, Pastor Richie, what if you, actually he doesn't call me Pastor Richie. He calls me dummy or something like that all the time. But when he's saying these things to me, what he's telling me, what if you do this and nothing happens? What if you start talking to people about the fact that God wants to heal them and, and there, many of them are already challenged with this because they're wondering that themselves. What if, what if you do that and nothing happens? But I made a decision for myself and I want us to make it as a church to say, what if something does? What if weak people become strong? What if sick people become well? What if people who are dying prematurely before their time, that we begin to lay our hands on them? You'd realize the Bible didn't say that we're supposed to pray for the sick. It says that we're to go and heal the sick. That it's a mandate God put on our hearts and lives. Why? So that you can look like super Christian? No, so that people can understand that our God is a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of his children. So we're faced with a choice. Standing on the shore or standing in the boat, whichever way you want to look at it, very comfortable there, very easy there. Or making a decision saying, you know what, I'm going to be a part of changing the culture of this church. Because listen, I, I love you guys. This is an awesome church. Best church I've ever seen in my life. Seriously, filled with so many wonderful people. But do you realize that every one of us adjusts the culture all the time? When we come into moments of worship and we cry out and we worship God, we lift the culture of worship. For this issue of healing, if we'll all make a decision to say, I am going to go after this, I'm going after God, I'm going to pursue God, we can change the culture. God never called us to be a thermometer. This is how things are going. Yeah, the service was okay today. He's called us to be a thermostat. That we're adjusting the spiritual temperature of this church all the time by what it is that we're doing in our lives. But it's a step of faith. And I know a lot of you are going to have to overcome some preconceived ideas and understanding. And you're going to have to start believing God for the supernatural. But I want to say it again. What if things start changing incredibly? What if that family member that has been sick forever gets healed? What if in your own body or your own emotions you get healed? I'm telling you, it's life-changing. And God wants to do supernatural things. He wants us to understand and differentiate between the, 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 the blood of Jesus Christ and, and the bread, the broken body of Jesus Christ. He wants to make sure that we differentiate between just making something common in every day to making something holy to understand what Christ has done. So I want to pray over us today. I'm going to just ask you to bow your This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.